Man, God is so good, isn't he? Oh, man. Oh, man. Hmm. You know, it's so crazy as you are. Uh, as I was studying to get ready for this morning, into the early morning, um, as, I was, as I was going through some things, just really felt like what the Lord really wants to do is, is he's really after each and every one of our hearts. And it's crazy because even though like you can feel like you've got a word from God, there still can be some some question, some, I don't know if that's, if that's really, and I'm putting everything together and I'm, and I'm like, oh yeah, Lord, that's, that's amazing. I mean, you spend a lot of time soaking before you get started. You know, you want to be in his presence. And, and even this morning, it's like, Lord, are, are you sure that's what we want to do and what you want to say? And it was like thing after thing, after confirmation, after confirmation, um, that the Lord just starts to give. And I feel like that's the exact way that as each and every one of us can feel is that are you really speaking you know what I mean like any anybody ever question like are, is that really you I mean are are you sure or did I just eat some weird pizza last night you know what I mean like like is it something but is it really you and I feel like this morning what he wants to really do is open that up to for us to be reminded that yeah it's really me yeah it's really me and I used to think that like, man, I had to do all these things before I could ever hear his voice or, and it would just be like this booming voice because you know, God would be the God in the sky with a big old beard and a, you know, Thor's hammer ready to just strike down. But yet I realized as I started to just really go after his presence that how much he really cares and loves for us. And, and, and maybe that might what he look like. I don't know. When we get up there, I don't know what he's going to look like. But I do know this is that he loves us so much that he's not waiting for you to mess up, to annihilate you. What he's already wanting to do is annihilate you with his presence. To annihilate you with his crazy love that he's got for each and every one. And you may be feeling this morning, I, like myself, like, oh man, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I don't know what you're doing. But I can tell you this because of what we're going to read and what we're going to do this morning. And what we're going to go through is that the word is so impactful that he loves each and every one of you this morning. And I, I just felt like we couldn't start without you even starting to, I mean, we felt it. Man, what a, whew, what a strong presence of God this morning as we've been feeling him already and what he's been doing, I just want to just continue to piggyback on that. So if I stop for a second to, to, to pause, um, you know that's like out of my character, right? Because normally I talk really fast. But I just want to just pause in his presence that like, I'm telling you, that's my heartbeat. It has been mine and my wife's heartbeat so much um, that we just don't want to teach a lesson to our young people, to our kids. But we, we want them to really be impacted with their true identity of who God's called them to be. Every time we put a lesson together, we talk about that it's not just speaking into their lives, but we're speaking into two generations from now. That when our kids that are in Sunday school grow up and come to the youth group and they leave the youth group and they get married and they start having their own kids, that they remember the Sunday school lessons that they came through and they remember their identity that was spoken into them all the way from this very moment. And that they can be reminded when they're here for generation after generation after generation, they can come back and say, I remember that I felt his presence so strong. And in our, in our youth group, that's what we're, what we're going after, especially this coming Friday night. It's just like, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we just put four hours because I just don't want like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just want to give enough time. But it's like, man, if we just want to seek his presence, that means that I've got to trust him wherever he wants to lead. It means that I've got to trust him wherever he wants to go. You know, I don't believe that God has any limitations, but I do believe that the only limitation that he has is how far I'm willing to let him go. He doesn't have any limitations, but the only limitation that he does have is how far I'm willing to trust him, is how far I'm willing really letting, to, letting him go in my life. So we want to, I want to start out with this. Uh, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10 uh, verse 17 through 22. We'll do a quick reading and then we'll continue on. But if I had to give a title or anything, it would be, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. So Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 17 through 22. I'm reading out the New Living, uh, New Living Translation. And it says, as Jesus started out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies and says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good, right? We said that a couple times this morning, right? God is so good to us. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20, he says, the, the man says, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Can we read that again? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Still, there's one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come, follow me. At this, this is the last verse we'll read and we'll, we'll, we'll start here. And that is, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. He was, he was man, we're, okay, hold on. I'm gonna get ahead of myself. <laughs> so today what I believe what the Lord really wants to do in each and every one of us, and we've been feeling that here as Pastor Christie called it out of irregular heartbeat, but I think also too what the Lord really wants to do is some heart surgery on each and every one of us. That there may have been some things that we have allowed to creep in over this past year, and this past year went by really fast, right? Like it was like a blink of an eye and 2021 was gone. But there may have been some times that we have allowed some things to creep in, but what I really feel what the Lord is saying to us today is that what he wants to do is do some open heart surgery on us to take out some things that we've allowed to be in there. When, the rich, when, that, when that young man, that rich guy, or whoever he was, came up to Jesus and he said, what must I do to receive eternal life? I think a lot of us can end up having that exact same question, but yet our heartbeat should be that, Lord, what can we receive from you that would cause our heart to beat again, that would cause our heart to love you even more and to have zeal and power, to understand the crazy love that you have for each and every one of us? It may have been a year of blessings. It was a, it was a year of tremendous blessings. It may have been a year that we felt like some shortcomings or some low times or some high times, some times of dancing or even some times of weeping. But when we look back, we can really start to say that God is an amazing God to each and every one of us. Can I get an amen? When we begin to look back, it be that our heart posture is rather in the low times that he's still good, rather in the high times that he's amazing, and rather I feel like it or not, he's still working on my behalf. Because it cannot be, what we again, he's, he's God with no limits, but he is limited by how much we allow him to work. He is limited by how much we're allowed to speak out of our mouth. Because the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's really what he's coming after is our heartbeat because he wants you to understand that he's good and he's amazing and he's powerful and he wants to do so much, but we've got to th remember it and have it down deep inside of our core. So as we look back over the year, we see that what the Lord has done, I believe what he's going to do this year is going to make some paths that have seemed so crooked, twisted, and messed up is that what he's going to do is make a path straight this coming year. That has may have felt like it is just the craziness is overtaking, or this has been weird. Or you know what? We can say that about everything, but I really want it to be that we declare that we that the Lord is going to make our path and everyone around us their path straight. I want it to be that we ooze his presence so strong that at the grocery store the person just gets healed by standing next to us. I want it to be that our young people ooze his presence so strong that kids begin to know that the, the lies that have been spoken over them as they're passing them in the hallway of their school. I want their, their, our children to be oozing the presence of God so strong that when they get home, they teach us about God. I mean, that's like, it's, it's so crazy. We had a testimony a couple, I don't know, a month ago, two, two months ago, whenever ago. On a Wednesday night, um, Pastor Ezzy started having them uh, pray over each other, and it's like she got a text message that one of the young guys, or one of the little boys, he went home so fired up, ready to pray, that he just burst into his mom and dad's room, and mom was laying there because of a migraine, and just said, mom, I want to pray for you because Jesus wants to heal you. 
I mean, he's only like six, seven. You know what I mean? Out of the mouth of babes. Now, they didn't tell us if he got healed or not, and I guess we were so excited we didn't even ask. I'm sure he got healed, or she got healed. But what matters most is that our children are becoming unafraid of the gospel of Jesus. Because here's a tactic that the enemy will start to use, and I'm just, this is way off topic and way off note, as you can tell, because I'm not even standing behind my, my tablet. But here's the thing that I really feel like, if, if the enemy is going after our children's hearts so much, why are we still trying to use the same tactics to win them over? We're just thinking that we can throw, and I'm not saying this is what we do, but this is not what we do here. We don't just throw snacks at our kids um, and just try to feed them, you know, a bunch of Rice Krispie treats on a Wednesday night. Um, either at kids ministry or in youth group. But what we really believe is the tactic that the enemy, when he goes after the heartbeat of our children, that's as much heartbeat as that me and Pastor Ezzy are going harder after it. And I know that's a lot of you. I know that's all of you here because you wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. But I know every Sunday school teacher, I'm so thankful for it because even this morning as we were doing a team meeting and we were right before we started to uh, send, send our, our Sunday school teachers into their classroom, I told them, remember that when you speak into your, to the children's lives today, you are speaking into two generations from now that are going to be serving the Lord, that are going to be serving the Lord. And that is what we are going after because it's not just of what we can do from the outside, but what the Lord really cares about is what's going on right here inside of our hearts and our minds, Okay. So here's the thing, this, this rich man comes running or comes and kneels before Jesus. Now, obviously, if we read the story in Mark 10 or even in, in, in Matthew or in Luke, all those three gospels describe this uh, incident that ends up happening with this, this guy. And it can be that he was obviously Jewish because he says um, of all the things, the commandments that he's already kept. We see that where he says, um, it would, it, people began to describe him as even a rich young ruler. Now, maybe he had some authority, or he had, and he, obviously he had a lot of wealth to his name. And, but yet we see where he comes running to Jesus. It could have been that he was still going through the motions because he knows all the correct verses to quote, or he knows all the correct things to say. He has, I'm sure, undoubtedly, has memorized the law, the first five books of, of the Bible. I'm sure he's, he's had it all in his head. And he comes to Jesus, and he kneels before him, and he says, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, here's the whole thing that I think starts off wrong. And, I, and again, we can totally judge this guy and be like, man, you did it wrong. But how many times have we come with the wrong heart posture into our prayer time? You know what I mean? And, and so many times it can be that we, we judge it, but yet, here, let's, let's, let's walk through the verses with it. As he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It has nothing to do with what I can do, but has everything to do with what Jesus can do in me. It, it cannot be that we rely on our own strength, our own um, our own strengths, it cannot be that we rely on our own abilities, it cannot be that we lie, it relies on our own passion, but what it's gotta be is that we rely on his presence of who he is and how good he is and what he's called us to do. It, 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 again, we cannot do it of ourselves, and, and I was thinking about this <clears throat> a couple, about a week ago, um, me and my oldest son were in the car and we were driving, and uh, we were spending about 30 minutes together by ourselves one way because we were going all the way down from our house down to Boise for a, a doctor's appointment. And we're on our way back, and, and I'm like, man, I'm starving by this point, you know what I mean? And I'm like, we got to stop at, at, a, at a restaurant that sells really good chicken. And, and I said, uh, you know, do you want to stop, dude? And he's like, yeah. So we just get to talking, and, and um, we didn't go inside. We just went through the drive-thru, and then we ended up actually stopping at a... Um, parking lot, and we start to talk, and we're just talking about all kinds of things, you know what I mean? My son's 10, um, and any conversation right now deals basically with either, like, video games or, you know, whatever, all the different things, and so we're just sitting there talking about different things, and he goes, you know, Dad, I want to tell you something that I've been really praying about, and I was like, dude, yes, you know, like, okay, we've been talking for an hour now, and you're finally going to tell me about your prayer life, yes, and he goes, I got to tell you about what I'm really praying about, and this is, it's kind of a it's kind of a gift for you. It's like, all right, I'm intrigued. And he goes, um, it's, it, I either want it to be for your birthday or for Christmas. And he said, but uh, don't worry, it's not going to cost you anything. And I was like, Phew, you know, I'll take free. Let's do it. And he goes, I've really been praying about something. And, and 
let me lay a quick thing before, we, before I continue the story, and that is um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a particular football team, and my son is not a fan of that team. And it has caused a little bit of a rivalry in our house. And when that rivalry happens, because he chose a team that's an, in the same conference and an exact same rival team, and we tend to go back and forth whenever we're watching football together or we're, or we're talking and my son says, and, it, and it's been something, a prayer of mine, that I've been hoping that he sees the light and comes to this side. <laughs> and he goes, I've really been praying about changing football teams. I said, my Jesus, revival now. <laughs> You're moving, God. <laughs> you know? And I said, oh, really, dude? He said, yeah. He said, because you like that team, I want to like that team. Right? I know. Beautiful. And I was like, yeah, dude. I mean, totally. I, I want you to. That's great. And he goes, you know, because I want to be able, I, I want to like, I want me and you to be able to talk more. I mean, he's, he's talking about all these things. And, and we, we started talking about it. And I was like, man, that's so awesome. Yes. But then it was kind of like this Holy Spirit check for a moment was like, but he's, is he doing it because he just is doing it out of works? Or is he doing it out of really because of his heart? And I told him, I said, here's the thing, Papa. Like, I want you to, un to know that I'm your dad and I love you no matter what. I said, even though you may like a different team, even though whatever. And I'm just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing, but I'm just saying, like, it, no matter what, what happens, dude, know that my heartbeat is, is that I'm your father and I love you. And he said, okay, even if I stay on the same team? I said, even if you stay on the same team? said, I will love you no matter what. And we started to talk, and I thought about the scripture that tells us that in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we still were messed up and maybe liking the wrong football team. <laughs> while we were in the mess, in the middle of everything, that I told, I told my son, hey, listen, dude, like, I want you to be who God's called you to be. I want you to follow the passion that he's put inside of you. I want you to follow after the voice of God. And what I care more about is that your, your ears are open to what God really wants to say about you. And I said, that's more what I care about. Football teams come and go, dude. That's going to that's gonna happen no matter what. But what I care about most is where are we going to spend eternity with each other? And, 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 and that same thing comes into, in this, into these verses that while God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, crazy, whatever it may be, what matters most is he still loves us. That he loves us. You see, it's the grace of God that saves us. You see, here's the thing. Grace loves us right where we're at, but doesn't want us to stay right where we're at. Grace loves us right where we're at, but doesn't want us to stay right where we're at. It calls us up into who he has really called us to be. It causes us to go higher in him and through him because uh, the grace is that gift that we do not deserve. But it causes us, it's like being inside of a pit and the grace of God is the ladder that gets released. Jesus comes out and says, okay, now I want you to climb out with me. We can't stay there. When the grace of God comes into our life, it's not for us to stay in our sin. It's for us to recognize that we have power over sin because Christ died for us. It's not for us to continue in it. I, we just had, the, we had this conversation in our, in our um, high school class on Wednesday nights, and we were just talking about all the different things of how that God doesn't want us to stay right where we're at. But he has us have this divine encounter with his love and his grace that he wants to bring us up out of it. He wants to bring you out of maybe the mess that we found ourselves in. And I say we, because man, I find myself in a lot of messes. But he wants to bring you out of the mess that we maybe have found yourself in, the times that you may be feeling lonely, inadequate, insecure, the times you've been feeling worry, anxiety, pain. And he says, okay, I get that. That's why I came to die for you. So here's the ladder. Now I want you to take the first step out. Because it's about your heart that I don't want to stay there, I want to go higher in him. Now, does it always change the circumstance? Maybe not, but I guarantee you it changes the altitude in which we fly with him. 
It changes the altitude in which we look at from the perspective that we look down that what we thought was a complete hill was actually a mount, uh, uh, an anthill in his presence. Because what the enemy wants to try to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. That means he wants to deceive you into thinking that something's bigger than it actually is. He wants you to start to believe that what I've got to do is I've got to have this, 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 and A, B, C to put together before I ever walk into his presence. And that's not it at all. What God really wants to do is he says, bring me your sin, bring me your mess so I can give you my grace. Bring me your sin, bring me your mess so I can give you my love. Isn't that an amazing exchange rate? Like, I mean, come on, like you would want to give, like someone's like, hey, give me five bucks and I'm going to give you 5,000. I'd be like, dude, get the car. Like, I got change. You know what I mean? I'm giving, I'm, I'm, we're going. That's the, that's the amen, uh, tremendous love of God. That's the tremendous love of the Father that says, I don't want to leave you in the same mess that I found you in, but I want to leave you into the miracle that I've created for you. Okay, so does that make sense a little bit? Okay. So Jesus answers this question. He tells him to, do, to keep the commandments. It wasn't that Jesus was saying, here's like the five-step plan to salvation because we all know that, that salvation comes through Christ. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10 from the New Living Translation says it like this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not from ourselves. Yes, you need to read that again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not the gift of ourselves. It's a gift from God. Not by works so that uh, no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works which God prepared in advance as our way of life. Like you are God's workmanship, your masterpiece. I, it's like, it, it's so amazing. Sorry, I must have read, I read from a different translation. But you're God's masterpiece. I tell this to our youth group constantly. You're created in the image of God. Now you need to tell yourself that in the mirror. You're created in the image of God. Then you have to tell yourself in the mirror. Why? Because just like we said a second ago, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We got to get into our very core that I am his masterpiece. I'm his workmanship. He divinely put me together for me to be me in his presence. Not in the lies that I'm told by the enemy that you're not good enough. You have to be this way, that way. You got to be, you're too short, too tall, too big, too skinny, with the wrong skin color. It don't matter. What matters most is my heart that I want to see the presence of God. And I'm created in his image. So you know what? It doesn't matter what lie may come against us. Man, you got to learn something from our kids. When we used to say, like, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me, sticks to you. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we got to start talking to the enemy. It's like, I'm sorry, but you got to shut your mouth because I know who I'm created to be. Man, I'm telling you, when we start to know, and, and as a parent, there's so many times that like I catch myself that it's like pastor's been talking about, you know, sarcasm. Man, as a parent, that can sometimes get difficult. You know, I'm just, can we be honest for a second, right? Um, but sometimes it can be difficult, but like what I've been talking with my kids is like, hey, listen, we'll sit at the dinner table. And in a situation like just happened this past week that we had to bring some correction to our kids, and we sat down at the dinner table, and now normally the regular disciplinary action would have been the father-son dance that would have went around in a circle. And, but we sat down at the table, and I said, here's, here's the thing. God's called you to be a leader. Do you believe that? And my son just started to weep, and he said, I do. I said, God's got great things for you. Do you believe that? And he said, I do. I said, okay, then we're gonna start walking to a higher standard because the Lord wants to do something great in your life. And it's my job. My house is not just a house of four walls, but it's a training center to be able to develop the disciples that are gonna go out into the world. And hey, this, I'm telling, like, I, can we say that again? So my house is not a place of four walls, but it's a training center to develop the, the, the disciples that are gonna go out into the world. And, and the thing that I can really say is that, and I tell them constantly, is that it's not about, um, I, I go after all of our out, out, outward appearance. It's not about that, but what really matters is, are you going to have a heart that really is positioned that I want to see the, the glory of God? Is our heart going to be positioned that I want to see all that he's got for me, but not just for me, but for those around me? And so um, we're created in his, in, his, in his workmanship as his masterpiece for all the good works that he has for us. Jesus is trying to get him to see that it's got to come from your heart. Even he, Jesus even addressed the good teacher comment in the beginning. 
Um, he wanted the rich guy to see that it's not just about, uh, or excuse me, he wanted the rich guy to see that what he has even been calling good could sometimes be the wrong title. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't good. It's just that he wanted him to see that sometimes we can begin to call things good that are actually bad, and we can call bad things good. And in society today, that's like what it feels like is the most thing that's starting to try to transform our kids' mind and heart is to thinking what is actually bad is good for you, and what's good for you is actually bad for you. Does that make sense? And so, um, and this isn't like a big health spill or even political spill. I'm just saying like this has been a tactic from the enemy being used constantly. Um, there was a few years ago that uh, um, I have a family member that's an apartment manager, and she, and she said that um, somebody came into their office, and they just started talking because, like, there had just been one of the school shootings. This was, like, about a couple years ago, and it was, like, an, in an elementary school, and, and it was my sister, and my sister's talking to the guy, and he says, can I just be real with you? And she says, yeah, sure. And he says, I believe that the enemy is coming after our children. And he says, that's why we're seeing the school shooting. And from that moment, it struck me so hard that it's like the enemy's not just coming after us just to get us to trip up, but again, he's coming after two generations from now. And what we've got to do is recognize that, see that, and know that, you know what, if he's coming two generations from now, I'm going to go three generations from now. Yeah. That I'm not just going to go what he's doing because I know that what he's doing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally squash in the presence of God but I know that I'm just not gonna, every decision that I make, it can't just be for the one generation, but I'm thinking like two or three or four or five from now. That when my children or my children's children are standing on this platform or they're in the church or wherever they be, but they are called of God, they are chosen and wholly anointed by him. And so, but what it has to do is it has to start with us. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, I want my kids to be chosen. Yeah, that's, that's great. But are you, are you affirming that in them? And I'm, I'm, me too, man, I'm, please, like, don't think I've got it all together. I don't, we're, we're having all these conversations at the dinner table. But we're affirming of who they really are called to be because it's not just their outward appearance that I want to, that I want to see change, but because if, if the Lord really works on the heart, the outward appearance will begin to change. It will flow from the out, from the inside out, but it will never flow from the outside in. It will flow from what's in the heart will flow out of us and began to be around us. So here's, here's the thing. Jesus tells him, or excuse me, he tells him that I've done all these things from my youth. I mean, it's almost like if I, if I was talking as him, I would have been like, here's the thing, Jesus. Been there, done that, bought the shirt. You know what I mean? Like, done all your commandments. Uh, I, I, I've, I've got it all put together. I mean, maybe even have laughed or... Uh, you know, maybe even had, kind of had a smirk on his face that Jesus, I've done all these things. Like, what more is there? And here's the thing that I started to think about in that comment. Was that in, in my prayer time, and I'll say mine, but maybe it's, all, maybe it's some of us or all of us, but in my prayer time, how many times am I really wanting to hear from God, but I'm not really willing to listen? How many times am I wanting to hear a word from God, but I'm not really willing to listen to it? And I feel like what this young, young guy does, or this rich guy does when he, when he comes to Jesus is that he wants to hear a word from God, but he wants it to fit his terms. He wants to hear what he can do, but let it be already something that I've already done. Don't ask me to take a new step. Don't ask me to do something I'm a little uncomfortable with. Don't ask me to, 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 to step out in this new area, but ask me to do something that I'm super comfortable with. You know, like, um, I, I mean, think about it. Like, when we play games with my kids, like, I'm going to pick a game that I know I'm going to win at. Because, like, that's just what we're going to do in our house. I can't lose to my seven-year-old, you know what I mean? <laughs> but have, have we walked in that exact same attitude as this rich ruler, a rich man, that say the word, but say it from over there? 
And yet what I really feel, and, and, and this is for me and maybe for you as well, what I really feel like this coming year is it's going to be that we just don't want to hear the word, but we're going to be doers of the word as well. That we just don't want it to be that, that we hear it because, I mean, man, we hear prophetic words and they're amazing, but what we want to do is, is how do we put legs to it? How do we be able to walk that out? At the end of every sermon, we try to always say, okay, now how do we walk this out? What can we do? What's something prophetically that we can do in our life to be able to see uh, um, the, the movement of what God wants to do? I thought about this, and I didn't even put this in the notes. I was just kind of putting this together. I thought about this for a quick second. So um, let, me, let, me, let me go down this rabbit trail real fast. I believe what Jesus wanted to do was take the idol out of his life. Now we're going to get to a few more scriptures here, and we're going to continue into what he's going to do. But he wanted to take the idol out, out of his life. But, but we spell, but the idol of what it could have been was his finance. But could it also be that take the idol out of his life like you leave your car idling in the garage or wherever. You turn it on, like right now you're turning it on to just try to get warm. Um, but you're idling. You're not moving anywhere. You're just staying idle. And I feel like that's a lot of times that what I can start to feel like, and that is that am I idling in the presence of God? Am I idling because he's already given me the word, he's given me the Holy Spirit, he's given me the wisdom to turn the key and turn it on, but it's like, that's cool, I'll stay there. Because idling means that you're not moving anywhere. Idling means that you're, you're taking the power, but you're not doing nothing with it. Now, please, like, I'm not trying to come down and bring guilt or shame. Like, that's, not, that's not it at all. I'm trying to just, just tell you that's something I started thinking about as, as I was studying for this sermon. That are we idling with what God has given us? Are we actually putting into gear what he wants to do in our life. That makes sense? Like, I, 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 we, can, we can talk all day, but man, are you gonna put it into, like, at least put it in reverse. At least put it into, at least put it into drive. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something. But man, I don't want it to be idle. I don't want it to be that we start wasting gas. I don't want, I, I mean, if we're gonna waste gas, man, we better take it to the road. We better be doing something with it. And that's why I feel like the Lord just started to download like last night was just a quick thing was like, man, he wanted to take away the idol, but he also wants to take the idol, like not the statue in my, in my life, but he wants to take the idleness out of that. Almost like the uh, procrastination that we'll have well, when God really starts to move, then I will. Man, I, I, I'm done with that. Like, I, I think it's time that as church, we start moving forward. I'm tired of being on defense. Like, it's time for us to be on the offense of things. Like, it's time for us to really start proclaiming and declaring like, wait, we're the head, we're not the tail. Like, we're, we're above, we're not beneath this thing. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna be allowing the enemy now. Uh, no, I'm gonna see your tactics coming from a long way. Why? Because I'm taking, I'm taking it into actual gear and we're moving somewhere with this thing. Like, we're gonna see the glory of God start to fill this place even more. I promise you that. But what we've gotta do is it's gotta start right within our heart that, hey, I'm not gonna keep it idle anymore. I'm not just gonna be waiting for something to happen, man. I am the presence of God. I carry his presence. I am carrying his glory. I am carrying uh, his goodness and his mercy. So therefore, I'm gonna start putting into gear and leaking all kinds of things all to everybody around me. You know what I mean? That we're gonna start seeing God do some miraculous things, but it's gotta start in our heart. It's gotta start to wear into our innermost being. Okay, let's move on. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through five. Um, this is coming from the New Living Translation. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Everyone say life. life. Come on, everyone say life. life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is not only by God's grace that, he, that we have been saved. We, he has given us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Each and every one of us today, and you may be feeling dead in your emotions, in your mind, in your heart, I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the enemy because God has already raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, so he wants to do the exact same thing in you and I today. He wants to raise you up into new life with him. Okay. Um, so... Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter. And he sees this when the, when the man says, I've done all these things, what else can I do? Like, I, I've, I've, I've bought the shirt, I've, I've learned the commandments, I've been doing all these things. And it's like, all of a sudden, Jesus has been looking for that moment to get to his very heart. All the questions that he's been asking has been trying to navigate through 
that it's not just a superficial answer, but it's actually what's going on inside of him that I believe that Jesus wants to do to each and every one of us today, that it won't just be an answer that, oh, no, I'm good. No, 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 no. Are you, what's going on inside? And so Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, and he says, yeah, you've done all these things, but there's still one thing you haven't done. He says, go and sell all that you have. Give it away. He tells them, put your treasure in a place that will never go away. And then he tells them, follow me. That was crazy because, like, I've read the Bible a few times, but I guess I never caught that part where he says, follow me. He gives him the exact same command as the other 12 that are following Jesus already. He tells them, give all that you've got. When he tells the disciples, lay down your nets and come follow me, when he tells some of the other disciples, like, I want you to give up your job and you're going to come follow me and walk with me. Jesus gives this exact same command to this unnamed guy. And I believe that it's because he gives that exact same command to you and I today. That what are we willing to give up so that we can follow after him? You see, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Colossians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, out of the new um, NIV version, excuse me. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Since you've been raised to Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is. His reaction was to hang his head and to turn away. Why? Because he, was, he had so much wealth. Because he had to end up giving the last little bit of control to someone that he wasn't going to be able to control. And in our own minds, how many times have we turned away because the answer may have been that we didn't like quite what Jesus was asking us to do. It was just a little too much, Jesus. Like, I, I'll, I'll do this, but that's, uh, we'll let someone else do that. We might read the story and, and, and judge him, but so many times, I know I find myself in the exact same boat that it's like, Lord, I want you to do something, but do it within my comfort zone. Let me stay in the boat while you calm the storm. And that Jesus was teaching was great when the things, excuse me, it couldn't be that Jesus' teaching is great when it's something that we agree with, but it might not be so great when it really starts to hit home a little bit. It might not be so great when he's asking us to do something that is quite out of our character, but more like his character. You see, Martin Luther says it says like this, whatever your heart clings to and confines in, confides in, that is really your God. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. Uh, so let's jump back to Mark chapter 23, uh, or excuse me, chapter 23, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And Jesus, this is right at the end when the man turned around and left. Jesus looked around at his disciples and said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, this isn't saying that you can't have wealth to be in the kingdom of God. That's not what we're saying. And the disciples were amazed at these words, but Jesus said to them, children, he's describing, he says children, now, in, the chap in that chapter earlier, the disciples were keeping the children back from coming up to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, bring the children to me because you got to become like them to enter the kingdom of God. So he starts to tell them. So he's, he's going back in the chapter. He says, children, how difficult it is. And some other translations say, for those who trust in riches. But this version just says, but how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When I was starting to study with this, study this out, I, I started reading through different commentaries and they were discussing of that there might be, the translation might not be camel, but it might be rope. That it's, that it's, it's difficult for a rope to get through the eye of the needle. Then it's easier for a rope to get through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich, a rich person to get into heaven. For someone, not just a rich person, but for someone who is allowing something else to dictate their decisions rather than the presence of God. It's not just about money, please. Like, understand, I'm trying to get more to the heart, the meat of the matter. And that is that what are we checking with before we say yes to God? Rather, it's, it, whatever it may be, if we're, if we're checking with that, then that's where it becomes the idol in our life. And what God really wants to do is there's, there's this wholehearted yes to him. What you want to do, what you want to say, and how you want to do it, Lord, let it be yes in our hearts and our minds, right? And so when it's talking about the translation, um, it, it, it could be translated as rope and not camel. Now, if you've ever sewn anything, um, I had to do that the other day with a pair of pants that I, that I accidentally ripped, okay? And um, we're not going to say where, but here's the thing. Um, I get to the, to the garage, and I'm like, babe, I need to fix these pair of pants. And she's like, all right, well, you know, we need to get the needle and thread. And we get it out, and man, that needle hole, like that was designed by the enemy. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, we speak against that Jesus. And man, it was like 15 minutes of I'm like, dude, like trying to figure this out, you know what I mean? And my wife was like, babe, just give it to me. And she's like, you know, do it. She starts going through. And, and then we, you know, she was helping me sew. And it, that was the first time I sewed. And I did really good. Um, I'm, I don't want to brag or nothing, but I'm just saying. Um, but I did good because of the instruction that she was giving me. Whoa, let's stop for a minute. We can do good from the mess that we made to help fix it when we're really listening to the person that's giving us the instruction, right? And so we put the, I put the pair of pants together, and I'm just like, I'm thinking about these verses, and, and it started to just kind of click because it says that it could be a rope. It could be like one of those tug-of-war ropes, you know what I mean? Like we've got for the youth group, the tug-of-war rope is like this big, and, we're try, and, and, and it's trying to get through. And here's another thing it even says, that it, could just be, it couldn't just be maybe ropes, but in the way that Jesus is describing it, it could also be a rope with knots in it, which makes it 10 times more difficult. But I thought about how many times has our, my life, your life look like that we look at the rope and there's a bunch of knots in it because we've gotten so stressed out, because we started to believe a lie that twisted us, got us going this way, that way, and really not staying focused on the real voice of who God has called us to be. If you were here last week, you saw... Um, the illustration that our senior pastor did as I had to be blindfolded and walk around the platform but be listening to his voice. And, man, it was, it was hot with that uh, blindfold on. I, I was sweating quite a bit. Plus, too, like, I knew he was probably going to take me off the stairs, but I didn't know where exactly. And then especially once he started spinning me, I thought, like, I was at a birthday party, like, with a pinata, you know? And, um, but as I started to walk, I started to think about that where, where I was positioned at determined the, the, the amount that I could actually hear him. Now, because we have monitors up here, the moment we take a step back, when we're up here on the platform, we, not, we might not be able to hear ourselves correctly because all the speakers are pointing that way. So a lot of times, the people that he had up here that were speaking and trying to be louder than him, like Pastor Lynn's voice was just really faint. But when I came down here and I changed altitude, his voice got real clear because I was standing in front of the speaker that was making it louder. And I thought about this exact same thing, that our altitude and our attitude determines how much we can actually hear from God. Our altitude that determines our, our attitude to determine how much we actually hear and listen to his voice. Because in the heat of the moment, psychologically means that we'll turn into like a seven, eight-year-old child. We'll just start screaming, yelling. I mean, if you've ever seen a, a kid start screaming, I know your kids don't throw tantrums, but mine do. And... They start screaming, yelling. It's like they can't hear you. You just got to stop and wait until, hey, once you're done throwing a fit, then we can talk. But how many times does Jesus have to do that with us? That, hey, once you stop getting the knots because you're trying to do it yourself and you just allow me to work, here's the thing. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And he will make straight your paths. He's going to take all the knots out of that rope. 
He's going to take all the knots out that you may have been feeling down in the depths of your stomach. I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to feel that way anymore. That's a lie from the enemy because he wants to distract you from your real calling, that, you're, that you've got a, a, a path to walk on, that the Lord has already called you to. And so if, if anything, I just want you to know that he loves and cares for you so much that he wants to take the knots out of your rope. The, you see, the disciples then turned and was like, okay, hold up. It was actually Peter, which, which it, it would be Peter for this comment. When he said like, he said, well, then who can be saved? Like, I mean, that's just Peter comment, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, well, then who in the world, Jesus? You know, then everyone's lost. Just forget it. And Jesus says, okay, but you're thinking of it from, from your fleshly eyes. You're not seeing through your spiritual eyes. And he says that with men, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You may be feeling this morning that what you have tried to do and all these things that we, that we go after and all, all these things that we're trying to get over whatever is going inside of us because we're listening to certain things or we're trying to just get over it, but yet the whole entire time Jesus is saying, man, if you just bring it to me, I'll make it possible. Well, you don't understand. Like, I've created such a mess. Yeah, that's great because with men it's impossible, but you're not talking to a man. You're talking to the creator of heaven and earth. Okay, so... Um, I hope I made a little bit of sense. I want to end with this story here. Um, I got to tell you about, about my daughter, Emmeline, who's just, she's an amazing young lady. Christmas time was such a fun time. And she received a gift from her aunt that's an attachment for her hoverboard. And if you don't know what a hoverboard is, it's these two wheels that basically you got to balance on and you stand on it. And it's, it's crazy because like you want it to go forward and you're like pushing. And I was trying it out and one of my friends was like, you just gotta think about where you wanna go and it's gonna go. Like that's, that's crazy. And it went and I was like, okay, I wanna go over there. Just thinking in my mind and like it started to move. And I was like, what sorcery is this, you know? And, and so the hoverboard, you gotta stand on and you gotta have this balance, you gotta do all these things. But she got an attachment that turns it into a goat cart. Like it sits on the hoverboard, you sit in these seats, you got these little handles, and, um, and you just start going, man, and you can book it fast. Like, I mean, as a dad, I had to try it out, right? And so uh, my son Micah and my daughter Emmeline received these attachments, not the actual scooter, but the attachments that went to their hoverboards from their aunt. So that night on Christmas night, we had our family over, they gave them to them. And of course, I'm having to do the dad thing. On a Christmas night, I am busting open every toy, I'm putting all the batteries in. I'm putting them all together because they cannot wait until tomorrow. It's got to happen on Christmas. So we're putting all the attachments together. And my son Micah goes into the room and he's, I've been teaching him a little bit of, hey, this is what a screwdriver, righty tighty, lefty loosey. You know, when you get the, the Allen wrench, this is what you got to do. Get to the other side, hold it with the, hold it with the um, you know, with the, whatever tool it is, hold on to it, turn it. So I've been trying to teach him those things. So he says, dad, I'm going to go into the room and I'm going to start putting it together. And I was like, cool, because that means I can do the other ones. But I got working on Eliana's thing, and I got working on Isaiah's things, and I just got going, then we're, we're talking with family. So Emmeline says, Dad, I really want, I really want the, the attachment to be put together, please. And I was like, sis, like, give me a minute. Hold on one second. Let me, let, me, let me do this. But then one minute turned into five, turned into 10. You know, her just asking once turned into 10, 15 times. She's bouncing now. And she's like, Dad, I, I really want you to please, 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 Dad, 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 Dad. And I'm like, sis, 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 calm down, hold up. You know, we're, tr we're trying to do this. And so she says, she says, fine, I'll just wait. What I didn't know was that she had taken the box of, that, of, the, of the attachment and went into her room and started to unbox it herself. She was so impatient with me, which completely understandable. She got impatient with me, so she decided to do it herself. So I get into the room, or no, 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 no. What ends up happening is she comes out and she says, dad, I tried to put it together and I messed it up. And I was like, well, all right. And so I go into the room and there are pieces everywhere. Now, when I say in a box, I think she opened the box and went like this, all across the room. So I get in there and I see the mess that she's created. And I'm like, sis, now we gotta gather up all these pieces. And so we start gathering pieces. I'm trying to put it together. And lo and behold, not all the pieces are there. I'm trying to put back together the, 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 the gift 
the, the excitement that she had, and I could see it, she's starting to now at this point cry because like she wanted her attachment to be put together. Micah's got his, he's rolling around the house by now. You know what I mean? And, and he, he's, he's having a good time and she wants that too, but, but because she wasn't willing to wait for dad, now she's got pieces all over the place. And then now we're missing pieces. And so what I ended up having to do was we had to um, call the manufacturer. I had to say, hey, I, we're missing some parts. And they said, that, no problem. What are you missing? I told them, it's only like a couple screws. I even went down to the store and was like trying to find those same screws. And they're like, we don't make those. You got to actually go to the, so you got to call the place. You got to get it from there. You know what I mean? Because they try to make it as easy for you as possible. And so I was like, okay, cool. So we get in the car and she had gone with me to the store to go get the parts because she's excited. And I get in there and I said, sis, they don't have your parts. And she just like, but, but we were supposed to put it together. I said, I know, sis, but see, this is what ends up happening when dad says, hey, give me a minute, let, let me get to it. And just right then and there, like Holy Spirit just checks and says, man, how many times have you taken those gifts? And when father's saying like, hold up, wait a minute, just wait for me, I'm gonna do a good work, just wait, hold on, that's all you gotta do. And I'm so anxious, I'm like, no, it was prophesied, we gotta put it together, I gotta make this happen. I got tasks to do. I've got things to do. I've got a family to raise. Like I've got all these things. And he says, but if you just wait on me, it'll all work out. It'll be okay. And so I start putting these things together. Didn't work out. Called the manufacturer. They said, sure, what parts are you missing? I'm only missing a couple screws. Um, well, a couple screws and a couple washers. And so I, I, they tell them, they say, okay, this is the parts. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to put the email in. You'll be expecting an email here within 24 hours. We'll get this shipped out to you and you'll be all set. Man, Emily is like pumped now. She's like, okay, 24 hours? That means it's going to be delivered. No, it's, it's not like that. It's going to be a couple, it's going to be a week, they said. And she's like, okay, great. Every day she gets up, dad, dad, are the, piece, are the parts here? The parts here? No, they're not here. We got to wait, we got to wait. But we haven't received an email yet. And so almost three, four days go by and there's no email. So I have to call again and again, great time. And they say, what do you mean? I don't see no notes in here. Like we're not sending you no parts. And I was like, dude, come on, help me out. And they were like, we can't do that. We don't send, we just don't send out parts. What we're gonna have to do is we're just gonna have to refund you. But because of your inconvenience, we're not just gonna refund you what you paid. We're also gonna give you like a gift card so you can spend even more money. And I was like, cool, I'll take it because that's, that's great. I've got a family to take care of. We'll, we'll, we'll do it, that's fine. And then they said, okay, um, but you actually don't have, we don't have those, that one available anymore. Now you've got to order something new. And I'm like, man, you know, and so uh, we order it up. It ends up coming to the house. And I actually got to my sister's house because she's the one who originally ordered it. So we ordered it up, it gets to, the, gets to her house. And I tell Emily, I said, hey, sis, Aunt Jay's got your, got your box. She just loses it in the house. She's jumping, she's screaming, she's yelling. And she goes, well, I mean, it's kind of a good thing that I messed it up, right? And I was like, well, no, no. And then she goes, but um, what color is it? And, and I was like, uh, I think it's the other color. So I called Jay, we talked about it. And Jay's like, no, it's actually pink. We got her a pink one. And if you know my daughter, Emmeline, pink is the color. And she just starts screaming even more. And she's like, it's pink. That's what I, I, I've been praying for a pink one. And so we get it, we get it yesterday. She cannot wait to open that box. We walk in the house, we put on the table. And I said, sis, here's the deal. Give me a couple minutes. I've got to finish something really fast. And then, then we'll put it together and I'll take you, we'll go out and we'll take, we'll take the scooters. We'll do all of her thing. And she says, okay. And I can tell, I mean, she keeps the box in the living room. She puts the side and I'm in the room and I hear her scream because Isaiah, our, our well, yeah, I just busted him out, huh? Um, Isaiah, our youngest son runs over and he's trying to open up the box. And she says, no, wait, dad said, don't touch the box. I've already messed up the first one. <laughs> don't mess it up. So I come out there and I'm like, okay, let's start putting it together. So we start putting it together and she's just ecstatic. We get onto the, she gets on the hoverboard. It's her perfect size. It's all set. I was actually, uh, we, we ran a little late this morning. Otherwise I was going to have her come out here and drive that um, so she could show you. But here's the thing though, like, man, she was all ecstatic. We're, we go to the park. She's going around. She's just, gig she's giggling. She's laughing. And here's the thing that I feel like the father really wants to say to each and every one of us. And that is what you have felt like you've created the mess. 
is that he's really ready to create the miracle out of it. I don't know what you walked in here with, but I do know what you can leave here with. And you can leave with hope. You can leave with love that you've never felt before. You can leave with joy that's unspeakable and full of his glory. You can leave with joy that, that overflows from a heart that says like, I don't know how he's gonna put this hoverboard thing together, but I do know this, that he loves me enough that he's gonna create a way for it to be put back together. And when we took it to the park, it was so cool watching them go around. But then we did the dad thing because we walked. And, or I walked and I watched them do other things. They're two hoverboards and a bike. And if you're a parent, you understand that when you go on a walk, you may leave walking with nothing in your hands, but you're definitely gonna return home carrying at least one kid and one of those bicycles. And the beeper started to go off on Emmeline's hoverboard and she said, Dad, we got to get going home because the battery's saying that I got to put on the charger. I said, all right, let's get going. It's just around the corner from us. It's not too far. So we get going. We're right in the middle of a crosswalk. And I'm like making sure, you know, we're, we're, everyone's getting across the, to the side. And, and I start walking. And then she screams for, because it stopped working altogether. There were, no, excuse me, there were no cars around. But to her mind, she probably thought like a car was going to come. And she goes, okay, well, it's dead. You got to carry it. And she just jumps off and starts walking. <laughs> and I did what any good father does. And that's reached down and picked up her hoverboard and, this, and the attachment. And it's not light. And I had to pick it up and I had to carry it. And I thought how many times we do that with our father in heaven. That, hey, I don't know, but it's dead. <laughs> And you know what? He's so loving and gracious to us that you know what he does? He carries it for us. We see where while we were yet still sinners, Jesus carried the cross for you and I. He carried all that stuff that we have gotten ourselves into. And maybe it should have been us. Not maybe, it, it should have been. That's what the whole grace of God is for, that it gives us that gift, the mercy that, of God that is uh, that that gives us grace when we ultimately deserve the punishment for it. And so we start walking along and I feel like, man, an hour and a half worth of work to be now carrying this thing home. But to see the smile on, on my kid's face, it's priceless. And I'm telling you to see the smile on your face, the father looks down in enjoyment for each and every one of us. And you know what's so cool is that our son Isaiah, his hands were getting cold as he's riding his bike, and so he's done, you know? He's the one I thought I was gonna have to carry him, his bike, you know, everything. And he says, Daddy, like, I'm, I'm too cold. My hands are too cold. I don't wanna ride my bike no more. Can you carry it? And I'm already carrying this monster of a thing. And I was like, yeah, sis, or yeah, dude, oh, okay, sure. So I'm trying to, like, get it onto one arm and then get this little bike. It's not a heavy bike, but just try to get it all through. And Emily's, Emily comes up and she says, no, Dad, wait. I'll, I'll carry it for him because you're carrying mine. I'll carry his. And I was like, let's do it, you know? So we start walking and uh, she no longer just, I figured out she didn't want to just carry it. She wanted to ride it. That's why she originally said that. But I thought, you know what? That's a community right there. That here's ultimately what happened to that rich young guy, that rich guy, and that is that he was so upset because he wanted just to be me, myself, and I, but yet Jesus is saying, hey, it's not just going to be you anymore, but it's going to be God working through you and also to be able to help bless others. And so whatever you're feeling like this morning, let's all stand to our feet. I hope that um, this, this at least made a little bit of sense to you. And I know that the Lord just wants to do some more, but again, it's after your heart. And I don't know, I kind of battled of how we would exactly end but I feel like there's some things that we've been doing this year and I feel like it would, it would be great that we continued in doing that and that's declaring some things over ourselves. Because it's great when we can say it out loud but it's even greater when we say it as a community because now we're held to the standard that we know that we are chosen and redeemed. So I want you to put your hand on your heart before we come up here and before we, we come up there, uh, come up to the, to the altar and do some prayer time and ministry time. But I just want you to say that... Um, I want you to declare this with me. I want you to say that I am made. Okay, let's, let's repeat. I am made in the image of God. 
how he made me is amazing. He loves me. He cares for me. I am chosen. I am holy in his sight. I am righteous because of him. So I say to every lie, you have to come out right now in the name of Jesus. And I receive every truth that has been spoken this morning. I receive the word that I am amazing because you're amazing and you live within me. So we declare that we are amazing together as the body of Christ because you're awesome. All right, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.